Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. So we have, because it is Sukkot, in fact, it is the, the not the last night. Tomorrow would be the last night. No, it is the last night. No. Two more nights. Tomorrow's the last night. Tomorrow's the last night. So Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday night, night is when we, Sunday night is a, a Yom Tov, so Sunday night we light candles and Kiddush, but really Sukkot is over at that point, and we begin Shmini Atzeret Simchat Torah. So we have one more day of Sukkot. He's, he's always got the right answer. When Two more days, in. Saturday, Sunday. Yes. So this is Cholamoed uh, Sukkot, which means the, the middle days of Sukkot. Uh, and every single day of Sukkot, we're invited and commanded to uh, bring together and elevate the four species of Israel, uh, which are the lulav, the palm, that's the big tall one, the uh, willow, the arava. The willow has seen better days. <laughs> it's a wilted willow. Yeah. And uh, the hadas, the uh, myrtle. myrtle. The Hebrew names are easy. And of course, the, probably the most famous, maybe the lulav is, is just as famous as the etrog, uh, which is a, a citron. We hold them almost together as we say the blessing, and I'm going to have you say it with me. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kishanu B'mitzvotav V'tzivanu Al Mitilat Lulav And now I'm bringing them together and even though I'm facing west, really you can do it any direction, but uh, there's a custom to face east while you do it. So I'm going to shake three times to the front three times to the right, three times to the back, three times to the left, three times to the up, three times to the down, and then bring it in towards my heart. And you can do the exact same thing. We've got a couple of these kicking around the temple. Find any clergy, come after uh, uh, the, the service here, uh, find one of us, find a lulav, an etrog, you can do it inside. It's even better if you do it outside in the sukkah, which will be available. I'm going to flip it back hey. around and bring these apart as we continue our service. Now, there are absolutely no rabbis who would say that rather than an etrog, you should use a pumpkin as you shake your lulav. 
Let me make sure everyone gets that clear. No rabbis, including me, would say that you can use a pumpkin instead of an etrog. So what on earth could I have been thinking when I said tonight I'm going to talk about the pumpkin and the etrog? Well, I'm going to tell you two stories about two very different fruits with two kind of strangely similar stories. The etrog, believe it or not, is native to what? Well, I shouldn't have said believe it or not. Who knows what country the etrog is first native to? We would all think Israel, right? And you would think wrong. You would think wrong. The etrog did not appear in Israel until the 5th century BCE, which is right about the time when the rabbis would have been deciding what this crazy thing they were talking about in the Torah is. The etrog comes from China. China. So how on earth did this etrog, not this one specifically, get from China to Israel, or what is now Israel? Have any, how many of you have ever owned an etrog? Not very many, a few of you. Right? Now, we always are very careful at the temple to keep our etrog and our myrtle and willow in the refrigerator, and our maintenance staff does a really good job of doing that until the rabbis get in the way, <laughs> and I always forget to put them back in. And what happens is our myrtle shrivels up, the willow shrivels up, right, and they become hard as a rock and not even like leaves. Now, what would happen if you left a lemon out for a week. It would rot. It would rot and become yucky and gross. An etrog does not become rotten. An etrog has a super thick skin, and it has more seeds than it does pulp. If I, if I really would have been, Rabbi Bernholtz would have brought a knife and he would have cut it open. I, am, I apologize. Take my word for it. Maybe we'll cut one open after services. So the etrog has a much thicker skin than, um, than a lemon and more seeds. So not very good to eat. Um, you don't really eat um, the citron or the etrog. You'll find people make marmalades or it actually makes a very good liqueur, not for family services, but next week. So why is that important? Thick skin doesn't rot, kind of shrivels up, but doesn't rot, and has a whole lot of seeds. What does that mean? Did you say it travels really well from place to place? Yeah. yeah. Right? So this fruit, in ancient times, when there were no airplanes, no refrigerated trucks could go all the way from China through India to Israel to this one little garden where they planted an etrog tree. 
wasn't called an etrog yet. And it was this exotic, beautiful fruit. So when the rabbis said, what is the pre-Etz Hadar? What is the fruit that comes from a beautiful tree? They said it must be that beautiful fruit that grows in that one little garden that we've called the Etrog. And now, 2,500 years later, the Etrog is native to Israel, and they ship all over the world every Sukkot. You with me so far? I'm going to test you on this later. Bringing me to the pumpkin. So we know that um, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, came to America, and found this fruit native to this um, Mexico and North America, right? This pumpkin squash, technically a fruit, I believe. Oh, yeah, you can cut it open. Why not? Um, this... Yeah, do this one, because I don't want you to have a pitomless etrog. Um, go lengthwise. So the pumpkin, right? They find the pumpkin in America. There's no such thing as a pumpkin in Europe. But this pumpkin also has what? Seeds and a super thick skin. So the pumpkin was able to survive the trip from America back to Europe. They took the pumpkin back to Spain. And a lot of people were afraid to eat the pumpkin. But guess who wasn't? The Jews. The Jews. <laughs> right? It was cheap. It, was, it grew very plentifully. And Spartac Jews were one of the first ones to begin cooking with the pumpkin. And you find pumpkin in a lot of Sephardic food. And how many of you, so next time, by the way, you have a pumpkin spiced latte at Starbucks, you can thank the Jews of Spain, who ended up in Italy, the first to make pumpkin ravioli. So why am I telling you this? Did you, where did, oh, you're showing it. Okay. Why am I telling you this? I don't know is the answer. One, one is on November, I think it's November 6th and 7th, Rabbi Farb and I are going to be teaching a class called Go Ask Rabbi Google, which is where I learned all of this because I did not learn any of it in rabbinical school. Um, so you'll come and we'll talk about how to navigate the Jewish internet and how you know when you're on a good site or a bad site. I think this all came from good sites. Are you, did you? It's awesome. It smells so good. Right? So if you look, it's almost all skin and seeds. How cool is that? So we'll leave this up here so that you can see it. Ooh, and it does smell really good. So we'll leave this up here so everyone can see it. Now, one of the things that we learn about on Sukkot, and even though we're pretending like we're in a sukkah, 
It's wonderful that we can come inside because it's raining. Traditionally, you are supposed to dwell in the sukkah for seven days. Live in the sukkah. And we said the schach at the top, great word, by the way, for my pre-bar and bat mitzvah students who are still learning how to cha. If you do 20 schachs every night before you go to bed, you will cha like a pro by the end of the week. So we dwell in the sukkah, and if it's raining a little bit, you would probably stay in the sukkah, right? You can get a little bit wet. And the sukkah is supposed to be strong enough that it can make it for a week, but not so strong that it would survive a major storm. We actually learned that the sukkah can't be more than 30 feet high for that very reason that if it was more than 30 feet high, the support that it would need in order to stay standing would make it permanent. So it has to be strong, but not too strong, so that you have that understanding of vulnerability, right? How do we make it through times of vulnerability? How do we make it through times when things are feeling really temporary, when we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing tomorrow, right? Maybe something hard is happening. What's the expression that, thank you, Rabbi Google, has existed in the English language since the 1500s? Thick skin, right? And the idea of thick skin doesn't have to be a physical one. It means that it's our choice how things affect us. And I know we have a lot of kids here tonight. Kids know really well things don't always go the way you want, right? I know you all really want to be sitting in services tonight. Actually, I think you guys do. I think most of you who are here do. So that's not a good example. You're not going to want to go home from services tonight. But when your parents say it's time to get in the car and go, you could get really upset, right? You don't want this to be temporary. You want to be at the temple all the time, right? But what do you do when things are going rough? You have that thick skin. You know that you can take it. And when you have that strength, like the etrog, like the pumpkin, like Jews have had for so many years, then we know that we can make it from any place to any other place, from where we are to where we want to be. We can weather any storm. And the blessing of Sukkot, the blessing of our history, the blessing of our tradition is our strength through hard times, the way we give strength to one another, the way we find strength from one another, and the way in which we can grow wherever we are. Chag Sameach.